Uh, how many love Canada? I, I love Canada. And uh, I, I, I love its natural beauty, the diversity within, uh, within Canada. I love the, 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 the diversity within the people of Canada. I love our history of being a peacekeeping nation. And I love the freedom that has come and lives in our country due to the rule of law. And uh, that's a freedom. That's an amazing thing. Isn't that amazing that uh, we have freedom because of rules? There's a whole sermon right there. (laughs) Think on these things. The Lord will give you insight. Oh, by the way, John and Esther had an anniversary. 49 years. John and Esther. 49 years. And not to be outdone by John and Esther, uh, my sister-in-law and brother Glenn and Bernice are on their 40th anniversary this Canada Day. So 40th anniversary, where are they? They're here somewhere as well, I think. There they are, right over here. 40 years. Wonderful. Glenn is the most brilliant man I know. I often sit at his feet and learn of him. But uh, to plan your anniversary on Canada Day is like, wow. There's fireworks every year, a party. I'm like, you are the man. You're the man. And every year he tells his wife, I did this all for you, baby. And uh, I love Canada. So, so, I mean, on our national anthem and, and Pastor Rick had, uh, you know, us kind of sing it as a prayer. And I want you to understand it actually is an incredible prayer. And we're going to look at the prayer a little bit today that O Canada actually is. The lyrics of this, of this anthem are really the, what I'm going to talk about today. Three major points from this anthem of O Canada, our home and native land. True patriot love in all thy sons command and all of us command whatever you want to change the words to. With glowing hearts, we see thee rise, the true north, strong and free. That'll be our first point, the true north, strong and free. From far and wide, O Canada, we stand on guard for thee. God, keep our land glorious and free will be our second point. O Canada, we stand on guard for thee will be our last point today. Let's pray. Father, we love Canada. Lord, I love being Canadian. I am called to the nation of Canada. I, I love the other nations of the world, but man, I love being Canadian. And God, I pray today that you'll stir our hearts as Canadian Christians or Christians who are Canadian as to what you're calling us to be and to do in this hour of our history, Lord, And as Kathy has said, not in the sweet by and by, but today, but now, Lord, help us to understand uh, really what you're calling us to do and to be through this. In Jesus' name, amen. The true north, strong and free is our first point. The true north, strong and free. Well, the true north uh, is referring to uh, our geographical location. We are the true north, uh, if you haven't figured that out yet. And uh, we, we are in northern hemisphere. We're, we're a north country. We have seven months of winter. And uh, that's, you know, we won't think about that right now, but we're the true north. But, you know, more than uh, our geographical no- location, how many of you know true north is an interesting statement? Because it also refer- refers to a compass and a direction. 
You know, magnetic north or true north is what it's called. So true north is uh, where we set our, you know, our, our compass and our direction. It points us in a direction and tells us which way to go. So when I, uh, many of us, many of you, if you're military, of course, have used compasses. Uh, I believe in your training you do that. And uh, I'm going to tell you it's a very important thing. My wife, uh, when we drive, I say turn east. She says, as she drives by the east turn, what are you talking about? Don't say east, say right or left or turn by the McDonald's. That's, that's how we have to do it. So uh, I'm going to tell you that having, having a, an ability to navigate uh, through uh, true north is very important. I used to work for, put myself through Bible college working for the power companies. I used to test and treat power poles all over Alberta. And you would have to start your day, and it would, the map would say you're on Range Road 252, where it intersects with Highway 2, and uh, on the northwest quadrant, start on that pole. So if you did not know north or west, you were in trouble right from the get-go. And I'm going to tell you something. The entire map of all the power poles are all laid out on the east pole, the west pole going north. You just had to know these different things. So for me, when I got my direction first thing in the morning, when I got that right, it set my direction for the rest of the day. Are you with me? And I remember one day I got backwards. And it, I'm telling you, it took me half the day to correct my thinking because I thought I was at the right pole and then I'd be at the wrong pole. And I'd be like, oh my gosh. Okay, now reset, reset. You understand how important this north true north really can be. And how many of you know that, you know, direction in our life is not just for um, finding the right power pole. But how many of you know direction in your life, you, you need a true north for your own life. How many of you know nations have true north? And how many of you know people and companies and families all have these sense of values or things that set the direction for their life? Isn't that true? You should if you don't, and, and if you don't understand it, you're actually moved toward your values whether you understand them or not. What is important and what you value is, where, is the direction that you begin to move. Those are the true north things that set the compass of your life and of my life. You see, the true north principles, they are the core founding values that give us direction. And do you know that Canada has some distinctive core founding values? the true north values of Canada. You know that much of who we are is based on those true north values in our, in our country. What values, if I was to get you to shout out just a couple values, what values do you, do you think are reflected in the Canadian identity? Let me give you some, ask you some, for some of those right now. Integrity, politeness, freedom, Diversity, peace. Would people not, I would think peace is a cultural, it's a value of Canada. And we'll see that through our nation. We could go through all these things. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, politeness is an interesting one. I was listening this morning. Do you know that there's an actual law? My sister and I were listening to this this morning. There's an actual law in Canada. This is a law that it's called it's not called the politeness law. It was something, the what? The sorry law. It's something like that anyway. It's not, that's not totally correct. But th this is what the function of this law is. 
that if you get in an accident or something happens and you, the first thing that comes out of your mouth is sorry, you are not saying that I'm guilty. They actually have a law because what happened, lawyers started to say, well, he said sorry. He's Canadian. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? We have these values. How many of you know that uh, the true north values of Canada actually start with God. God. You see, in Canada's infancy, we need to understand at the foundation of our nation, uh, we were trying to name our nation, and, and many of you know this story, uh, Sir Samuel Leonard Tilly, Sir, Sir Leonard Tilly, was uh, in his devotions the morning, they're, they're debating the name. They were debating between the kingdom of Canada and uh, another name like, um, you know, the, the uh, sorry, let me find it here. Republic. Now, they were thinking of kingdom in order to honor, um, to honor England and our foundation, our connection to Great Britain. But you, you forget to, under, you don't understand something, that the war between the United States and Great Britain was still fresh in the memory of the United States. And so they were saying, you know, if we call ourselves the kingdom of Canada, we're going to be rubbing in their face this, this relationship that has not gone well between them and England. And uh, yet we also want to honor our English heritage and underneath the, you know, the monarchy. So they... Sir, Sir Leonard Tilley's in his devotions in the morning and he reads Psalm 72. This is what it says. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And so he shows up and he, he shows up in parliament, or, but they didn't have parliament at that time, but he shows up at this naming of the country and he says, why don't we call it the dominion of Canada? Therefore, we will honor our heritage from England but also will not offend our American neighbors. Can, can you see the peacekeeping nation that's in operation, even in its foundation? Isn't that incredible? So we got called the Dominion of Canada. Even our coat of arms, guys, it says from sea to sea that he shall have dominion. The foundation scripture of our nation says that God is in the, the supremacy of God is in the foundation of this nation. 18, in 1957, Parliament proclaimed Thanksgiving Day to be celebrated on the second Monday of October as a day of great thanksgiving to Almighty God for his bountiful harvest with which Canada has been blessed. The Canadian Bill of Rights introduced in 1960 begins with the Parliament of Canada affirming that the Canadian nation is founded upon the principles that acknowledge the supremacy of God. This is our nation. This is the foundation of Canada. These are our true north principles. Are you hearing me? On the memorial chamber, if you've ever had the privilege uh, of going to that in the Peace Tower in Ottawa, on the memorial t chamber, as you walk in, there's a scripture on the door uh, commemorating the 118,000 Canadians who gave their lives in service for this nation and other nations. This is one of them, Psalm 139, 8 to 10. If I ascend up to the heavens, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall you, your hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. This is on our memorial chamber in Ottawa and on the Peace Tower, this iconic symbol 
of Canada. There are three scriptures inscribed, embossed right in stone upon our, our nation's capital. Psalm 72, 8, which we've already said, he shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. 72, 1, Psalm, give thy king thy judgments, O God, and righteousness unto the king's son. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. The true north principles guiding the foundation of our nation. Isn't that interesting? Yes, Pastor Greg, it's super interesting. <laughs> Much of our strength and freedom come from this incredible Christian heritage that our nation is founded upon. It's incredible to think in our anthem, we're crying out for freedom in two different places which is interesting because the first person we ask for it is God, keep our land glorious and free. See, in our infancy, we had a moral compass, listen to me, that pointed us to God, and we have seen and experienced the glory of God in our land because of it. Do you understand the glory of God is the manifestation of, is the manifestation not only of the, of the person of God, but it's the manifestation of, the, of God's intention and blessing. In Canada, because we have this foundation in our nation of saying, God, we're, you know, we're, we're founded upon the principles of, of the kingdom of God. We're founded upon the supremacy of God. In our infancy, we celebrated and turned our hearts toward God. And I'm going to tell you, the glory of the Lord was across our land. The blessing of God has been on Canada because we've turned our face to him in our foundation. But how many of you know, um, just like any other family, there are times when we grow up from our infancy and we begin to come into our adolescence. And I think Canada is in its adolescence today. And like many adolescents, uh, you know, somehow we fail to remember some things that brought us the freedom that we enjoy. We fail to remember some things. We forget. We neglect. We forget to honor the principles that brought us the freedom and the strength that we really enjoy as a nation. You know, Canada is still, if you look at, st uh, at the statistics of Canada, 67% of the nation still says, uh, I have a Christian heritage or belief. 23% says, I don't have any belief of any kind. And uh, then there's various faiths that make up the, the rest of the percentages in Canada. Uh, regardless of whether we're Christian, whether Muslim, other uh, different faiths, people believe in God in this nation. Upwards of over 70-some percent of people. And yet we see our nation moving towards and forgetting some things that have given us the freedom that we enjoy. I, I often compare Canada, I was thinking about it for this sermon. It, Canada kind of right now in its history reminds me of the prodigal son. You know the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son's growing up in a family. He's blessed. He's got all kinds of abundance. He's growing up in his father's, his father's house. There's all kinds of blessings because of the hard work of his father. And uh, he turns to his dad one day and he says, uh, yeah, uh, I want you to give me my inheritance now. It's interesting language because it's, de it's a demand. It's not a request. 
He's saying, hey, I, I can't wait for you to die. That's what he's saying. I can't wait for you to die, dad. Give me my inheritance now. And so he takes this inheritance and he goes off and, and he says, I don't want responsibility. I just want what you've, uh, what you've raised and what you've done, Father. I want you to give it to me now. I haven't earned it. You've earned it, but I want it. And so he takes it and he goes off and the Bible says he lives it on riotous living. Riotous living. It's interesting. I think that some, what it summarizes a little bit of our, our nation's history right now. We're in our adolescence. We've not known really suffering or shortage uh, or lack. This nation has never known uh, at this time in our, in our history, has really never known war on a national scale. We've not known the sacrifices that have been made to bring us to where we're at today. So I think that the temptation for us in our adolescence is that we begin to kick against the very thing that restrained us and the service that provided for us the guiding principles that brought us to where we're at. And so we begin to use our freedom for self-indulgence. And like the young prodigal, we demand our inheritance. We say, I don't want responsibility. Which means to respond with our ability but I just want to be able to take what I feel is mine. And so we forget our father and we forget our responsibilities. And Proverbs 29, 18, which is engraved on the peace tower, warns us of this. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Do you know what it means? It's an interesting word. It's saying where there is no vision of God. It's not about Canada having a plan. We're going forward. It's about having a vision of God. Where there is no vision of God, the people perish. And it literally means this, they cast off restraint. And the word cast off is an interesting word because it literally means to uncover themselves. Do you understand Canada in its infancy was covered by the glory of God? And what is happening in its adolescence is it's beginning to uncover. And it's making decisions and choices now that are saying, God, we don't really care what you think. We've lost sight of God and we've begun to cast off restraint in some ways, we're being tempted to become a young, cocky nation that thinks that uh, we've achieved all this. And it's because of me and us that we have what we have. And we lose sight of the one who gave us all that we have. But you know what, church? I was, I was meditating in this and praying about this quite a bit this week. Because I didn't want to have a rally the troops and get everybody upset sermon. I really didn't. I didn't feel God wanted me to, and that'll make sense in just a minute. But you know what the truth is? God is right. It doesn't matter who opposes him. It doesn't matter who flips him the bird. 
It doesn't matter who curses him. It doesn't matter who mocks him. God is right. Now, I want you to understand something about God's rightness. He's not right, so he can say, I'm right. And you better listen to me. That's not what he does. You know what he says? (laughs) I want you to have life and life abundant. So if you'll follow my righteous ways and cover yourself in me and see me, I will bless you. I will bless you. Wow. See, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. But it says, oh, but but stand firm then and don't allow yourself to be burdened by the yoke of slavery. See, the yoke of slavery is trying to do things on our own ignorant of God. Whether they're selfish things or self-righteous things. See, we think freedom is do whatever you want. No, that's anarchy. Do you know the only freedom you actually have is the freedom to choose between alternatives? That's it. If you've been given the power to choose between the alternatives of good or bad, you have freedom. Freedom is not do whatever you want to do. See, the problem with with sin is this. Sin is fun. Four seasons. And the problem is when I cast off restraint, when I lose the vision of God, it's fun for a season. But the season will come to an end. And as we're warned in our own scripture and on the peace tower of our nation, those who lose their vision, right, will cast off restraint, will come to destruction. That's really what's happening in our culture today, isn't it? See, the scripture is right. God is right. If you want life and life abundant, follow God. Have a vision of God. You know, I posted something on my Facebook uh, wall the other day about, you know, the most joyful being in the whole universe is God. God is not a killjoy. He's joy incarnate. He is joy. You know, but I think we take the things of God and then we remove them from God. Example, sex. We remove it from God's plan and what God's purpose is and what God says about it. It's God's gift for goodness sake. But we take it and we twist it and we pervert it and we say, well, I'm free to do this. And you know what the truth is? You are. But understand it will lead to your destruction. That's what it will do. Because God is right. Whether I like it or not, God is right. So here we are, we're the true north, strong and free in our foundation. Then we come into our adolescence and, and we're forgetting, you know, God keep our land glorious and free. We're praying every time that anthem's sung. Every time. God, keep our land free. What does that mean? It doesn't mean do whatever you want to do. It means do what God says is right. And you will be free. You'll be blessed. 
Hallelujah. We stand on guard for thee. We stand. The word stand means to have or maintain an upright position supported by one's foundation or feet. We stand on guard for thee. Church, it's time to stand <laughs> on guard for Canada. That doesn't mean stand on the street corner and like, you people. Nope, doesn't mean that. I'll prove that to you in a minute. You know, Ezekiel 22 says this. I look for someone, God is speaking, among them who would build the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one for the sake of the land that I would not destroy it, but I found no one, not even one. See, the gap, church, is the distance between the will of God and the decisions and choices of the people who don't know God. That's the gap. <laughs> and God is saying to the church, will you stand? Will you stand in the gap and will you make intercession and will you pray for this nation? See, in, our, in the last several months of our nation, guys, we need to understand there have been some decisions made that are not contrary, that are contrary, sorry, to the will and the heart of God for our nation. And again, I don't want to stir you. It's just a reality. These are the things that have happened. We refused this year to sign the attestation report for applied for summer students. We've had summer students in our church's history probably 10 of the 17 years that I've been a pastor, or 10 of the 13 years that I've been a pastor here. And uh, every year we've been, every year we've applied, we've been accepted every single year. This year we were not accepted because we would not check the box that says we believe in abortion. We wouldn't check it. So we wrote them a letter. Peter did a great job putting together a letter saying to the government, this is why we can't check that. This is why we'll never check that. And the government said, check it or you don't get funded. So we didn't get funded. But you know, someone in our church said, well, I don't really care. Here's the funding that the government would have given you for the student, hire the student anyway. <laughs> so you say, why did you give $2,500 to Denise Montney? Because in our adolescence, our government, our nation is standing and making a moral clause making good evil and evil good. And so we said, well, we're going to support a ministry that defends the rights of the unborn. You say, well, that's part of standing in the gap. Are you, are you mad at the government? Well, I'm concerned. I'm concerned because people who have no vision of God are making moral decisions. How can you have a moral discussion even and exclude God? That means you become the standard of what is right and wrong. Yikes. <laughs> so we're called to stand church. Right? We live in an incredible day when in our adolescence, we're making decisions. When parents are being told you have no rights in the children, your children's education. 
Well, what do we do? We stand. When the Supreme Court says to the only Christian university in Canada, you cannot have a law school. Why? Just in case you act on your morals against another group. At the foundation and heart of Christianity, is it judgment or mercy and grace and love? Do you understand? We're, we're moving off our compass. We're setting, trying to set a, another true north. But how many of you know God's compass always pulls back? You ever have an amazing thing when you switch a compass and you say, I'm going to go this direction? That true north always goes back to true north? This is the way of life. This is the way of life. This is the way of life. Walk ye in it. This is the way of life. No, I want to go this way. You will end in destruction. Stand, church, on guard. A person who keeps watch, especially a soldier or another person formally assigned to protect the person or to control access to a place. That's pretty good. Stand on guard. My name is Gregory. It means watchman. And uh, I'm like many of you. It's not, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, so don't, don't take this overly literally, but I often see things before they happen. Do you, you ever you get that way? You're like, oh my goodness, if we go this way, it's not going to end well. I find it interesting being a parent, and uh, particularly, she's not here so I can pick on her, my daughter Michaela. When she was growing up, I would tell her things, and it would drive her nuts. And my wife would try to train me how to do this, but I was never good at it. And I'd be like, well, Michaela, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. No! I had the most delightful moment the other day when my 22-year-old daughter said these amazing words. You know, dad is most often right. <laughs> oh my goodness. I felt like Mark Twain who said, when I was 14, my father was an idiot. When I turned 21, I couldn't believe how much the old man had learned in seven years. <laughs> uh, it should be on my Bible. That's a good one. <laughs> Stand on guard. You know, we see things coming. We know. You know, I, I take this for what it means, but it's interesting. Uh, I just read a tweet from Donald Trump. It says, heaven has a wall and a strict immigration policy. Hell has open borders. <laughs> Preach it, Donald. <laughs> See, we're going to guard the way of life handed down to us by our forefathers. We guard it by living it out. We guard it by sharing it with others. And we guard it by defending it whenever we can. And the greatest way to defend it is through prayer. See, Second Chronicles 7.14, you know this one. It says, my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek and crave and require as a necessity my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear them. 
from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Do you know you have the power, you have the power as believers today, church. You have the power to turn this nation. Not by Facebook posts. By prayer. See, we have to humble ourselves. We have to humble ourselves in this hour. And you gotta, you know, we gotta stop doing things like this. We gotta stop condemning and crucifying our prime minister. We have to stop. Can I tell you something about our prime minister? He's not a godly man. And what I mean by that, he has no vision of God. Why are we expecting him to have a vision of God? (laughs) He's making decisions outside of having a vision of God. This is who we elected. So now we need to pray. Pray for him. Pray for him to have a vision of God. Are you hearing my heart? I've posted things on Facebook and then I've deleted them because I'm like, oh, it's going to stir too much. It's all it's going to do is stir hatred and controversy. But he's driving me crazy, God. Pray for him. Because I want to tell you something about standing on guard. You ready for this? I love this statement. When we are standing on guard, it is not to watch for their destruction, but to watch for their return. That struck me this week. You see, the anthem ends, we stand on guard for thee, for others. <laughs> it's not just for me. We can't re-sing it. We stand on guard for me. Because that's what I want to do. But God's saying, Greg, will you stand on guard for thee, for them? It's not just about me. See, we're not building a church just for me and for you. We're actually building a church for thee. We're building a church for the members that aren't here yet. All of you need to serve and sacrifice and do whatever you can to build that church. Why? For thee. For thee. (laughs) None of you went to a church that you paid for, by the way. It was the previous generation that bore the cost and the burden that paid the price for thee. See, the prodigal son came to his senses, didn't he? Came to his senses. He's eating pig's stuff and and he's living with pigs. He's a Jewish man living with pigs. This is bad. He squandered his wealth on prostitutes and riotous living, the Bible says. He partied. He cast off restraint. He threw off his father's cloak and covering. And he said, look at me go. Woo! And then the music stopped and all he was doing was, what happened? He lost his rhythm. Listen to what he says. He comes to his senses, the Bible says. This isn't on your screen, but I'm going to read it to you. It's 
It's found in the Gospel of Luke. He says, The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. You see, he's cast off restraint and destruction came upon him. Are you with me? He came to his senses and he turned back. He's crying out. The father says to the servants, quick, bring him the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and a celebrate for this son of mine that was dead is alive again. He is lost, but now he's found. So they began to celebrate. Suddenly the music comes back on. This time the father's doing the dance with the son. But the oldest brother comes along and he becomes angry and he goes, what's the music for? What's going on? Your brother who was dead is now back and and he's alive. Isn't it great? We're partying. It's not great. Listen to what the older brother says. Remember, there's two characters in the story besides the prodigal. It's the father and the older brother. The older brother became angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friend. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property and prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, he said, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost, but now he is found. See, so we have a choice, church. We have a choice. Are we going to be the older brother? Or are we going to be the father? Because I'm going to tell you, our nation is going on a prodigal journey right now. And as the watchman, I'm watching it, I'm going, oh, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. They're casting off restraint. They're headed for destruction. And I'm telling you, every part of my heart wants to be the older brother. I've been responsible, God. I've not cast off restraint. God's like putting a royal robe on my brother who cast off restraint. I mean, look what he does. He puts a royal robe and he covers his shameful nakedness. Do you understand? The minute they turn back, and I want you to get something. This is really critical. This is really important to grasp right now. The father could do nothing until there was repentance from the younger son. Can I tell you something, church? The whole world can say God is wrong. The whole world can oppose God. And they have a right to do that. They are free to do that. But you know what I'm not free to do as your pastor? I'm not free to endorse what they are saying is right and calling it right. I'm not free to do that. I can't. (laughs) I can't. Because I know God is right. Even if the whole world hates him. even if we lose our, our funding, it's still wrong. God is still right. And if I love them enough, I actually have to hold that stance because I love them. I love them. 
The son comes along the, and the father puts a royal robe back on him. You see, when you're naked, when you're uncovered and you repent, God will cover you again. Just repentance. He doesn't deserve it. He squandered the wealth. He, doesn't, he hasn't earned it. How can he get it? This is grace. <laughs> you forget you didn't deserve it. And you forget you didn't earn it. But it was given to you. And then he puts a signet ring on his finger and it symbolizes his identity being restored. He's the son of the house. Do you know what that symbolizes? He's back in the family and the inheritance is his again. But he just squandered the inheritance. Yeah, but the father sees things differently. My son who's dead is alive now. He's born again. And he puts sandals and slippers on his feet. You see, your feet is the place where you touch the world. And so he covers his feet again. So that place of contact is not as firm. Are you with me? This is the heart of the father towards the prodigal. This is what God wants. See, our whole nation right now, church, is free to choose. They're free to choose and pursue sexual identity in a direction or to pursue God's way. They're free to choose an identity readjustment or identification, or they're free to choose God's way. They're free. One will produce life, and one will produce destruction. It won't be immediate, but it will happen. And God's saying, what are you going to do when they start coming back? Because they're going to come back. You see, that's part of Kathy's word today. Can I be honest with you? God's got this covered. He's seen this from day one. I'm lamenting and freaking out because of what's happening in our nation right now. And God's like, yep, I saw this coming all along. It's all good. They're going to come back. But God, it's going to cause all kinds of destruction and pain and I'm going to have to pay a price. It's spending my inheritance, God. Yep. But they're going to come back. And are you going to welcome them as a father would welcome his son or as an older brother? And that's the call of God to you and I today. See, church, I love Canada. I love Canada with a fierce love, an intense love, an unconditional love. A love that is, it's not natural, it's supernatural. I don't claim to have this love myself. It's Christ's love for this nation. I I love this nation. I love the people of this land. I want to call her back to her true north principles. I want to reveal God to a nation that is going to, that's desperate. (laughs) That's what I want to do. I want to display a God to them that is for them and not against them wants to give them a glorious, abundant, free life and an eternal life to boot. I want to stand on guard not to watch their destruction, but to watch them find their way home to the Father's house, a Father who loves them, who's for them and not against them. I may have to watch for a while yet, but I can pray the whole time. I can pray the whole time. I can stand the whole time. And I can say, God, turn this nation back to you. Turn this nation back to you, God.
It's not about you and me. It's about thee and our Father's heart for this nation. Canada, God loves with a fierce, passionate love. He loves this nation. And he wants his sons and daughters to love it the same way.